This is another episode of Flavor in Your Ear Podcast. A podcast about damn near any and every topic with no filter and zero regard for the easily offended. Please welcome the man behind the madness. Your host and audio flavor maestro, Marquise Edwards. What is going on, everyone? We are back with another episode of Flavor in Your Ear podcast. And as we explore Women's History Month, I've been digging between all of these very, very complex, strong, unique women that have such awesome stories and uh, things they can, that I can relate to that I hope you all can relate to as well. And as you all know, we're always unscripted, having good conversations. So, you know, enjoy the conversation for what it is. Today we have Dr. Casey Myers here with us today. Ooh, ooh. Hey. <laughs> so we are uh, here today, uh, mild afternoon here in Italy. Where, you, where, where are you, Dr. Casey? I am in Atlanta, Georgia, United States. So good old America. Hey, she's in the A. I'm in Italy, but we make these things happen. That's the beautiful thing about it. And uh, as I was talking to her about in our green room, because uh, I do like doing like interrogation work on who I bring on the show. So, man, she is. She has so many different things to talk about. Of course, we're not going to capture them all, but we're going to try our best to, you know, just have a good conversation and, and lay it all out there. She's also a military veteran. Uh, you know, she has her own story that I'll allow her to speak about before I start asking her questions and things like that. But I think you all will enjoy this episode. So without further ado, I'll allow Dr. Casey to introduce herself before we get started. Okay, so my name is Dr. Casey. Um, I am, again, a military veteran. I am a um, ordained minister, a life coach, transformation, transformation coach. And I have a whole lot of coaching titles. Um, that include both um, sex coaching and sex education, as well as um, as well as positive psychology coaching. So I try to um, I tried to get certificates that surrounded my natural gift and calling, so mm-hmm. that um, I'm actually doing what I'm purpose to do. So for me, my work is um, so gratifying versus just you know something that I'm doing. Um, I have been doing podcasting and um, speaking for about 20 years um, close. Well, no, not 20 years. I started, I got my first book. It's been about 16 years. I did my first book, finished it in 2006. And, mm-hmm. um, but I started that book in 2004. I've always been a person to um, try and encourage people. I've always been a person that speak up for others. When I was in school, I used to fight people, bullies that would bully my friend. Like if you bully my friend, then you had to deal with me. So, um, like I've just always been that type of person. Um, and it transcended into me, um, being a life coach. Now, I think I've always given advice since I was younger, um, just family members. And sometimes I remember always asking myself, like, or not just myself, but asking God even, like, why do my older cousins and stuff call me? I'm supposed to be the little cousin calling them. <laughs> and, um, but now I appreciate who God made me. That's awesome. Hey, you got to be comfortable in your own skin. Uh, that's a big thing. Uh, one thing that gravitated me to you, you know, when I was reading about you, is you like, like I said, you want to help people, you want to help out the community. 
and, you know, help people learn from your mistakes or tribulations or trials or experiences, whatever it may be. That's what it's all about. Right. So we just letting people know on an average level, I would say average is because we're not like mega superstars and them like that, which I feel like they have too much influence on normal day people. You know, that's why I did this podcast, because I said, man, we don't all have Jay-Z problems and, you know, Kanye problems and, and all, all those people problems. We got regular people problems, you know, trying but, to but you know, wait a minute. The the only difference is that their problems, they have regular people problems. It's just that some of their problems are only problems because they have money. So their regular hmm. people problems are just simply amplified. And I'm going to be honest with you. Um, some of the way that I started what I do now, like on Instagram, I used to have like 70,000 posts on Instagram, like mm-hmm. 70,000. I was posting a hundred <laughs> posts a day. And, um, a, a lot of it started because I was listening to songs. Like when I listened to Rihanna's man down, it started to sound like she was describing her situation with Chris Brown. And then I listened to a Chris Brown song and I was like, it kind of sounds like he described it. And then I started putting the story, like putting it together. Then I was listening mm-hmm. to Jay-Z and I was li- thinking about um, songs that he did when him and Beyonce was low key dating. And then I look at songs that she did, like uh, whether it was say my name or mm-hmm. um, it was just other little songs that it was like, well, wait, it's starting to make sense. <laughs> verses and stuff. So, but then I also was like, you know, when people like Chris Brown go through something where him and his girlfriend get into probably a mutual fight, but she gets mm-hmm. hurt behind it. Um, mm-hmm. Now, who who does he go to? Who can help him? Who can give him advice as like a sister, friend or anything? Because normally when you have money, you're going to get explo- exploited for whatever information somebody can get from you. So. True. I used to go to Mace's church. I was a usher for a while and some other things. So I know from my interactions with him, um, mm-hmm. well, Diddy is, is really a piece of work because Mace is a piece of work. And when I saw making the band, I was like, damn, he act like Mace a little bit um, or Mace act like him. But mm-hmm. when I was there, one of the things that they used to teach us was as far as like dealing with celebrities and, you know, making people feel comfortable and not being like, oh, my God, it's a celebrity. So mm-hmm. um, that just kind of made it to where I looked at him even and be like, OK, so even though he's a pastor, he's a regular man. He got other, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, so it taught me to have a certain type of empathy for people. And then I'm like, listen, I do a lot of stuff, but I don't want to be famous because every time you get famous, your life is up under a microscope. It's like you can't be mm. regular, normal, or anything. You can't go nowhere, mm. one. And, yeah. then, and then if something happened mm. in your life, like, I don't know how many people are calling in and giving away this information that this is going on or how many people there are just watching the news be and, you know, waiting for something to circulate so they could be like, ooh, first mm. one to have it. You know, kind of like when Kobe died. And they was the one. Everybody wanted to be the first. Like, damn, let the person stand. Let, let, let his bad. wife grieve or something, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting perspective on that. And you have personal experience with it as well. So, uh, I know from a lot of people, they don't get to interact, and maybe they don't care as much to care about. You know, like they just see 
Instagram and you know Snap Snapchat, whatever they use Twitter, they see the finished product of people. They see the happiness, and you know they forget about all the stuff in between the regular stuff that they may go through. So we you know kind of disconnect on that point because people always want the success. You know people always see the success, and that's all they really want that they see that people publicize and you know advertise or whatever. So I get that part. Um, <clears throat> more so about you. Uh, so you did say you joined the military, seventeen. Yeah. God bless you for that. Mm-hmm. I, I joined. <laughs> I ain't gonna talk too much about the military. We're gonna sprinkle on this. They ain't gonna be talking too much about the military because I joined a little bit later. But seventeen is, is fairly young, and I still have my my uh, ups and downs in the military as well. You know, it's being active with you right now, or whatnot. So I want to just ask you. You know, I, I heard about. Well, I don't hear about. I read about. You know about the. Uh, you know, situation with your mom i don't know if you'd like to talk about it or not oh, and I, you listen, said- I am an open book ask me anything <laughs> like when I say anything i mean anything i have like no limits um whether it's sexuality whether it is um military whether it is um like i told you i am ordained minister but i'm also a sex coach so i have a lot of balance i realize that life is a full perspective thing it's not just one dimensional so I don't limit myself my my goal and this is going to sound more biblical than anything else is to be all things to all people I want to relate to whoever it is so sometimes I even speak about situations from a perspective like as if I was going through it even if it's something that I wouldn't necessarily do just so that I can um, allow people to understand from a different perspective because you know as a person going through something you have a different perspective than a person that's judging you going through something (laughs) so if you put yourself in that person's shoes a lot of people say walk in my shoes well if I place myself in your shoes in my mindset then Mm -hmm. it's like damn I can kind of see where you're coming from (laughs) Every, I wish everybody thought like that um, before you get started, especially in the military, because you know it's a hierarchy, mm-hmm. and they say, "Oh, reach out for help and do these things like that." But a lot of people see things as just business, right? They don't see it like this person has family issues, this person has personal issues, but oh, you can't do this job, so they overlook those things and they don't put themselves in your position. Like we're more than just a position or title. Or what you know, what we're doing for the day, or whatever mission, or whatever it is. So, you joined it early. I'm quite sure you had an experience. So, if you can just tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, you joined in at an earlier age, and you know your relationship with your mom, about the situation with your mom that you want to maybe talk about a little bit. Okay, so first, um, I believe that the military makes a machine out of people. Um, it's not mm. necessarily a bad thing. It just teaches us how to do things dress right dress basically and Mm -hmm. um getting out of the military it was necessary for me to uh take over my machine (laughs) and use it for the purpose that i saw fit now when it comes to okay so how i got going into the military i'll tell you the story i like telling these stories because i think it's very helpful um i okay so I was young. I had a lot going on. Um, my mother had um, kind of left me in different situations. Like she left me in Kentucky a couple of times. And um, one point I literally was told to find my way back 
to Dayton, Ohio from Lexington, Kentucky. And it was like a four hour drive. And um, Mm -hmm. I was definitely not driving. I think I was about 15 um, or so. And I literally had to hitchhike. It was I was going into high school. She had took all my clothes back. I mean, like it was a whole like big old thing. And I was just like, I was abandoned. So I found my way back. My one of my brother's um drug dealer friends gave me a ride. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and he bought me some clothes and then he dropped me off somewhere where I felt comfortable for him to leave me at so that he wouldn't be intercepted or you know what I'm saying, be in there. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. um from there it just kind of kept going from bad to worse. So then I ended up taking my mom's car once. Well I was actually like going to get up my pager from the boy that I was dating at the time. And you know, once you do something bad, then you'd be scared to go home. So I was like, <laughs> to go home. Yeah. So then I stayed out so long to where I was like, I just didn't go home. So I was like literally sleeping, like sneaking in my boyfriend's bedroom window, sleeping in his room. I know his mom had to know I was there. We was having sex and everything. <laughs> But she like it was like she did. I was there for like two, three days, and she was just like she didn't come in this room like that. I was had on the side. Um, so eventually, I end up going back home, and my mom called one of my cousins, had my cousins to come and fight me, and I beat her up. So then I ended up. It just it was a, a just a string of drama, spiral like a sp- spiral. Just, of it stuff just, going on. It was just a lot going on, and then at the time, like I used to fight. Um, I fought a lot in elementary school. When I got to middle school, I was like, you know what? I don't want to fight no more. I'm a very smart girl. I need to go and I want to do my work. And then I ended up getting in two fights in middle school. That was kind of not my fault. Well, somebody wanted to fight me. And then the person that wanted to fight me, I, I thought one of the people sent them to fight me. So I was like, <laughs> this is somebody fight me. And they're like, no, but I wish they would have beat you up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that was like I had to and then they wanted to fight me for a long time after that I mean it was a whole big drama I have a, a um, picture uh, that I can post on Instagram right now that shows me at a bus stop with a whole bunch of girls around me because we had went that day to go fight those <laughs> girls this was the day we went to go fight these girls so oh, um, after all of that I used to like get on my mom because she would like she was like oh yeah I'm gonna buy your car but I had just got suspended I was like why are you buying me a car and mm-hmm. as the person receiving the car, the average person would be like, I'm not going to tell her don't buy me a car. But I was like, right. why are you buying me a car? I just like I was just in trouble. Like, why are you doing that? That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So um, and, and from there, it just kept on and kept on. So I ended up getting that, uh, into an altercation or argument with my cousin, um, my older cousin that we were living with. She's passed away just recently. Um, rest her soul. But I ended up getting into an argument with her and we were like arguing. She was like, if you there, when I get back, I'm going to fight you. So I left. I went next door and then I ended up going to my grandmother's house. So when I was, I left and lived with my grandmother's house. My, my mother stayed there. A couple months later, my little cousin, a couple months younger than me, got into it with my mom. So then she ended up coming now. To your, to your grandma's house? Yeah. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. why she let me go to my grandma's house and then <laughs> stayed, but. So she ended up coming, but when she got there, now she's like, she worked third shift, so she wasn't really around like that. Like mm-hmm. growing up, it always felt like I had my own place because she would be at work, she would come home late, 
leave or like it was just my place like my friends would come over no like <laughs> come over my house <laughs> <get it."> <laughs> so, um, when she got there this one day um we had some midterms and i thought i did well like i knew i was skipping school but you know like i'm smart like right so and mm-hmm. i guess i didn't do well I, I don't think i ever really seen the test i just remember her going off on me one day i was working at jewelry store you know i was picking i was hanging out with guys i was living with my grandma so you know grandmas are never like too overbearing you kind of do what you want to do Cause they're trying to make up for you know all the because grandmas most of the time with they with their kids they be strict and then they turn to grandma mode they'd be so nice <laughs> well no my grandmother was hell she would cuss me out all day <laughs> she would just say little means but my grandmother was okay so recently i found out that my grandmother was like heavy activism um in my city where i come from uh, my uncle got okay. killed by the police when uh, a couple years before i was born so i think that the way that she was like she would be mean like can't describe it she would just say just mean hateful stuff just like you know little i mean just she would just like i remember one time i think i had a pimple by my lip and she was like you probably got herpes i was like you probably got her like, <laughs> like, like, in front of people though and i was oh, like wow. you probably got herpes like ain't nobody got herpes <laughs> like that, like she would just say random mean stuff so i used to like to the point to where i'm gonna tell you this part of the story too because so me and my mom got into it I don't have herpes because that was just a random thing that my grandmother said. That was not the case. Okay, but so um, she would just be mean. So eventually, literally, she said that she was going to kill me. I had wanted to surprise my mother one time. So I was like, I told my mother I wasn't coming home for the holidays, but I had rolled with a friend to Ohio from Atlanta. And when I got there, my grandmother was like, you said you wasn't coming. And I mean, and she went off and like, literally we was arguing. She told my brother and his girlfriend that if she would have had her gun, she would have shot me. Oh, sure, I believe it's probably like, but it wasn't that serious. Like you're mad because I'm surprising my mama. I mean, you her mama, but let me do what I'm doing with my mama. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but okay. So back to me going to the military. So on this day that, um, my mother was, she was drunk. I could smell the liquor on her. Um, and years, years later, I found out that sometimes she had recreational fun with other drugs. So um, mm. this day she woke up like, I thought you said you packed your test. I was like, I thought I did. Like, what you want me to do? I, I am getting my clothes ready. I'm about to go to work. My friend is downstairs in the car. You know, I'm just trying to get in here, get my clothes so I can go to work at the jewelry store. She just started going off. You ain't shit. Da, 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 da. And eventually, like, I'm like, what do you want me to do? Like, if I didn't pass the test, there's nothing that I could do. Yelling at me now is not going to help. But you right. haven't been here checking on me anyways. It ain't like you're keeping up with me or making sure I'm right. doing food work or none of that. So we get right. to going downstairs. Like, we was living in this small room. We were sharing a room, kind of. This little small room in my grandmother's house. And so we get downstairs. I go downstairs. I'm leaving. We get downstairs, she's at the door, and I'm like, you know, she's talking trash. So I tried to get in the car to drive off. My friend let her open the door, take the keys, and I'm like, girl, you see, it's a whole thing right here. Why would you open the door so we could have drove? Okay, but she she's gonna recover in a minute. Hold on, let me tell you about my friend. So so she um so she take the keys, go back in the house. So I'm like, you know, like, why would you do that? Like, 
I got my friend with me. You embarrassing me. I'm trying to go back to school. Now you won't let me go back to school, but you're yelling at me about not doing good in school. Like, it don't make a sense. Right. Right. So um, she was, eventually, she was like, and bitch, you ain't shit. And I was like, and I turned around in, my, in front of my grandmother's house, like, if I'm not shit and you my mama, then that means that you not shit because I'm a reflection of you. And she bolted out that door on me and she literally was like swinging on me and I was like stop and I was putting my hands up and eventually I like end up somehow she ended up being in kind of like the headlock but it wasn't like me trying to fight her but it was me trying to like you know like and I think because I was a fighter she probably was even more aggressive mm. thinking that mm. you know she, she didn't see me beat my cousin up she here mm-hmm. I didn't get expelled from school for fighting two fights you know what I'm saying? Yeah. She probably like, oh hell, I'm about to, have to kill this girl. <laughs> yeah. She a beast. I know she a beast. But mm-hmm. um, so she literally was attacking me. So I got kind of got her in the head. Like, but I'm like, man, chill out. Like, I am not trying to fight you. You my mama. And so mm-hmm. she just kept on. I think her being in the headlock or being like where she wasn't in the dominant position probably riled her up even more. And then she had been drinking. So eventually we ended up being on the ground, like. So um, my grandmother had her house redone um, and they poured the sidewalk, but it was like a little piece of cement where they had kind of cleaned it off right there in front of the thing. So we were right there on the cement and um, well, my head was where the cement was, but the rest of us were on the uh, thing. So she was on top of me and I used to fight with my friend's brother, like wrestle. So I used to do mm-hmm. this little move where I would like thrust him off from my hips and I was mm-hmm. doing the move, but she, I could not get her off of me. So I was like doing everything that I knew to do. I was biting her like her forehead like area because like <laughs> oh, she was she was beating my. So during the time where I'm trying to get her off of me, she was beating my head on the ground, like on the oh, concrete. So um, my friend came and she put. How, how old were you? 16. I might have just turned 17. Like I was like right at that age where I had either just turned 17, but I was probably mm-hmm. like, I had to be, had just turned 17 um, right. because it was around that Christmas um, holiday okay. season. Uh-huh. So she's beating my head. So my friend put her foot up under my head and, you know, trying to save, like help at least what she could. And right. my mother, like she swung at her and was like, bitch, I get you too. I mean, it was like, crazy the craziest thing i've ever experienced i believe and then she started strangling me and my friend said my eyes was bloodshot and was rolling in the back of my head and then all i remember is i was pulling her hair i was trying to bite her i was doing everything that i could to try to get her off of me and this man in his big white cadillac um pulled up and he was like get off of her you're not gonna fight her like she's some grown woman and literally, this man saved my life. He was in a white kind of like he had a white suit on. I promise you not. And we get into his car, and he drove us around the corner. It was a, when payphones was still a thing. My grandmother lived down the street from the store, so he took us to the payphone. I called the police, but I didn't know that my grandmother's neighbor had called the police, so they was there. On top of that, my grandmother had issues with the police, so she's been in the city and all this. So my right. mother didn't end up going to jail. And they sent me to like the runaway shelter in which I ended up calling my cousin and went back to the cousin and had kicked me out because she wanted to fight me if I was still there. So I went Mm -hmm. back to her house um, and then I ended up getting kicked out of her. I went to her house when I was there, 
her son's baby mama's twin sister um, was like, man, I want to go to the army. Do you want to go with me? Like we go on a buddy pass. And I was like, man, I mean, I don't know. It sounds good. You know what I'm saying? Let me see what you're talking about. So, you know, she was going through all the motions at the time, trying to get clean, you know, from weed and all that. So I was like, you know, it was something, it was put on my mind. I think I, I was just around the turn 17. So I was like, you know, I don't know. I, I might, you know, I was lost. I didn't really have any, I wasn't doing anything productive with myself at the time. Like no, like most like set direction of where you want to go. You know, I, I, yeah. I had my mother. So after me and my mother got into it, she ended up withdrawing me from school. Um, she was going to register me for, for school where my cousin lived at. And then one way or another, I guess my cousin didn't want to take the responsibility because her two sons had been in jail and, you know, had troubles already, I guess. And then she had lost a daughter. So I guess she just didn't want that responsibility. Her children's not there. And then she had a new boyfriend um, that she eventually ended up marrying. So she was like, you know, I, I don't want to commit to that like that. So I was literally like, she, my mama wouldn't put me back in school. And then she was like, she wouldn't like, she just she just left me out she didn't gave me no hope for real for real like so um i started hanging out with my friends and i was just like you know kicking and trying to figure out what i was doing i I'm not in school not because i don't necessarily want to be in school even though when i was in school i was skipping um but you know i was just like out there like drifting and i would stay over my friend's house sometimes or be out late and my cousin ended up getting mad and she was like okay um, you can't stay here no more. Like wherever you oh. at, you got to go back. You know what I'm saying? Because I mm-hmm. can't deal with you. And I was just like, you know, all right. So I went to this friend's house that I knew from high school. Um, she had a cousin that worked at this nursing home that I worked at. I've been working since I was 14. Uh, my uncle used to take me and give me little summer jobs, and you know, I would have summer jobs here, do this, do that. They would keep me kind of busy. So um, this. Uh, I got kicked out of there. I went to go live with my friend. Um, and I really wasn't trying to go live there, but that's, I didn't, like, I was like homeless. I didn't have nowhere to go. So I stayed there for about two or three weeks. And then one of her, the guy that I knew from a, the job um, was her cousin. So I would see him periodically. And then one day he was like, yo, um, ride with me real quick. I'm about to go get something to eat. And I was like, I really ain't hungry. He's like, come on, I'm going to buy you something to eat. Da, 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 da. So I was like, okay. So he got in the car and he was like, you know, you can't go back there. Like, they're really trying to put, they're going to put you, like, he was going to sell me or do, like, it was something that he was going to try to make me prostitute or something because I was going to not mm-hmm. stay there for free. I had to pay my way. Like, I wasn't oh, really true. there for a long time, but he mm-hmm. was like, I guess they was outside and he must have been plotting to this guy that knows me and my family. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. like, you can't go back. Then you got somewhere else you can go because this is what they're saying they're going to do. Like, I don't know if he was going to try to have sex with me. His daughter was my age, but she was dating a 35-year-old. So it was mm-hmm. like, I didn't, yeah. I didn't. So I was just like, and it was so crazy because I remember we went and got something to eat and then we went downtown dating and we were sitting there. And it was like, I was in a trance while he was talking to me and telling me, you know, and it was like, he was speaking to my soul. And from there, I went to my mother's friend's house who eventually... Um, signed the papers for me to get my GED so that I could, you know, like we, it, it was, it was crazy. It was like definitely God because um, my mother didn't even sign the paper for me to get my GED. The person that I was staying with at the time signed the papers. And then from there, um, 
I ended up getting into it at her house, did something stupid, and was kicked out again. And I was staying with my friend's um my friend's uh sister, who was also my friend, but my friend was the sister, and hmm. they used to come over to my house when I used to have my own apartment. So I was like, you know, I've been telling her what was going on, and she was like, Well, you know, you can always come here. And I went there, and then um all I remember with being there, I was selling a little weed here. I was, you know, just trying to survive. And I was cleaning. Like, yeah, so I was cleaning up. I was just doing everything. I had got a job at um my girl, I w- another girl I went to school where her mom had a cleaning company. So she hired me to go clean movie theaters. So I would go and do that. And then um, I I used to sit around and watch the Jesus, you know, they used to uh, drop off that VHS tape of Jesus. The Passion of Christ, but it was like before mm-hmm. the Passion of Christ. So I used mm-hmm. to just watch that a lot. And um, eventually I started playing on the army recruiter phone. And I would call and I would hang up. And I would be like, damn. And I would call and I would hang up. And then eventually I was like, you know, I'm just thinking about joining. And um, I'll never forget his name, Staff Sergeant um for real and he was like you know i'm for real and that was his catchphrase like i'd be like i'm for real real." like you know what (laughs) i mean so he came and he picked me up he took me down there i did the practice asvab um he would come and get me he would take me to go pick up other possible recruits he was just trying to he did a good job of befriending me and getting me on track he was trying to help me stop smoking weed i was like you know like I did enough, of course, mm-hmm. in order mm-hmm. to be able to go. So I ended up getting like a 52 or something on my ASVAB and I needed a higher score because I had a GED. Um, they mm-hmm. wanted me to go to the Navy, but because I had a GED, I couldn't go to the, or I wanted to go to Air Force, couldn't go to the Air Force because of my GED. Then they tried to get me to go to the Navy and I was like, water, six months. Huh? No, I don't think I'll go up here on land. <laughs> so um, that's how I ended up deciding to go to the army. And I'll never forget the day that I went. It was like I took the ASVAB. Um, they took me up to Columbus, Ohio, like the next day or two. Um, mm-hmm. And they was like, you could either leave in two months and get $20,000 or you can leave in two weeks um, and you would get $2,000. And I was like, I need to go in two weeks. I got to go. Like, if I don't just go right now and just go, then mm-hmm. I'm going to be bullshit and, and I'm not going to go. So literally, um, it was like one day I was there and the next day I was I cut my hair all off and I was like, I'm out. And um, mm-hmm. I never really looked back. I knew that after my mother had tried to kill me, um, literally, she was lying about the story. She made it seem like I attacked her. Like, you know, she was just, oh, my God, I was just, you know, and that was not what happened. So it made my family look at me different. And of course, because I was a fighter, they just automatically assumed that I must have did been doing something because I was wild. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. um, they just literally t- I remember going talking to one of my great aunts and she was just like, well, you know, the Bible say honor your mother and father and and i had been reading the bible before i had went and talked to them because i was lost like i was literally lost and uh and i was like well the bible also says that a parent shouldn't provoke their child like don't try to come at me with the bible because i had actually had learned something because i was trying to figure out my life and i'll never forget and it was like there was nothing that nobody wanted to do or could do to help me because you know i was just out there 
And I left. I remember going to my dad's house right before I was leaving. I was like, you know, I'm leaving in a couple of days. And he was like, you know what? I, we never had talked because he really wasn't around. I'm sure my mama was working on his damn nerves. And um, he was just like, you know, I was in the army. It was a good idea that you went, but you could have come and stayed here. I never even thought to ask my I dad. Never think about that. I yeah. never, at no point of me being homeless those couple of months did I ever say, I'm going to go to my dad's house. I never once even thought that it was, a, I never even considered it. Um, mm. And then I, I left. I went that day. I went, I remember the day that I got to, um, the day that I spent the night in Columbus to get ready to get on a plane to go. And I swore in and I went to them at the Fort Jackson and life has never been the same. It was one of the best experiences that I could have gained because I'm already intelligent, but I didn't have any discipline. So I went knowing that I wanted discipline. I went, I remember talking to people um, when I was getting ready to sign up and they was like, well, are you sure? What if you go to war? And I was thinking like, somebody just got killed. Our friend died two street lights up. What are you talking right. about? What if we go to war? This right. is war. Right. Like it's, it's a gamble yeah. either way. Um, I get it. Mm-hmm. And, and like, that was the only thing. And I ended up going to war, but um, it was that whole experience was magical because I have dreams. Like I didn't always know that I had dreams or understand having dreams. But I remember the first um, magnificent dream that I had was um, when I got ready to go to Iraq. So when the Iraq war first jumped off, I was at Big Red One, Kansas. And they um, they was like, well, we got it. We're going to war. And I had just had knee surgery. So I was like, I ain't got to go. I ain't going. I ain't going. I ain't going. And then right. um they didn't send up sending our unit months went bad past i was like watching the war and stuff on tv every day you know like this is real life for for mm-hmm. a military person this is like i need to see what's going on yeah they hit different the news hit different <laughs> it, it really does and mm-hmm. you know i was i went in um in 2000 um september 11th happened when i was in korea um, that was my first duty station and I was scared shitless because it was like, oh my God, I am in Korea. And it just, it just popped out. What is and then when when um the planes hit the buildings, I came I was the alerts went off and I came downstairs like, damn, what movie y'all watching? That, that looks like a good movie. Because it just didn't seem it didn't like I didn't know what was going on. Um so that was a whole experience. But um, when I went to the military, it was it was a great experience. When I had that dream about going to Iraq, it was like one day I just had this dream. It was a vivid dream and I seen bunk beds and it was like I needed to be there in the dream. I think I might have dreamed about um, getting into a firefight. It was all these series of things that happened, but I felt like I needed to be there um, after having a dream. So when it came time for us to go to Iraq, and I didn't have to go. I still didn't have to go because I had surgery. And I right, was recovering. in the commander's office like, look, I just feel like I need to be there. They're not going to go and fight this war without me being there. And literally, when we got to Iraq, um, it was a crazy experience. I almost got an Article 15 for absolutely nothing. And, like, it was crazy. So, I'll tell you about this Article 15 story. <laughs> In Iraq, my cousin was in the military too. So before I left for Iraq, they gave me a party. And um, 
my cousin came and she was like, you know, I just came from over there. If they try to bomb your convoy, don't stop. Just go around because you got to lead the people around the danger. If you stop, that's when they get you. I get in Iraq, we in Kuwait, and we having this meeting about convoys. And I'm like, well, my cousin told me that if if a bomb, if something hits one of the front vehicles, to keep going. So I don't care what y'all doing. Me and my chief is getting up out of there. They reported me and was like uh, literally was sending me for article 15 and i'm telling them like i'm not saying nothing wrong my cousin is a co- she was just over here she she told me this specifically and then a couple of days later um after they i guess tried to go up and rank to see what i was saying if it was accurate and it came back that what i said was accurate and everybody looked stupid and they felt <laughs> you know, life went on <laughs> You're now tuned in to Flavor in Your Ear. Flavor in Your Ear.